0: October. It is. In case you have not figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's been October for a little bit, but you know October brings about some some certain things. It brings about a chill in the air.
1: Unless you're in Florida.
0: Unless you're in Florida then it's just like it's still summer. What are you talking about? <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> uh, you know, the nights get longer. Uh-huh. And that means it's time to get spooky.
1: Spoopy! spoopy!
0: Which is what we're going to do today,
1: mm-hmm. here,
0: on episode 97 of The Seasonal Anime Checkup, OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello, I'm Jared, joined as always by the spooky queen herself, Doc Al and Ladium.
2: <laughs> Hello.
0: And we're going to get totally spooky.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because that's, that's exactly what we're going to do. From the person who's like, oh, I totally love all the spookiness.
1: I mean... No. Neither of us like spooky.
0: No. no. Uh so you came up with an idea. Mm-hmm. To kind of resonate with with this month. Uh it's something we kinda had on our list of ideas for a while now, but uh, we're gonna talk about some video game urban legends.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Spooky things. Those sorts of things. I'm excited. So we're gonna get uh we're gonna get spooky kind of it's just gonna be like here's this thing that people thought was real and then it turned out it wasn't real because <laughs> that's usually how these go yep all right so we have a we have our list that you pretty much uh, cultivated whoops <laughs> someone was on the ball this week it wasn't me <laughs> What well, we have here: two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve things to talk about.
1: Okay. That's
0: a lot of things. But let's uh, let's start off with our first thing you have on this list, <laughs> which is one we have talked about before in uh, in a previous episode. But if you d- if you did not listen to that episode, now you get to to hear about that. Yep. Let's talk about a little game called Final Fantasy VIII.
1: One of my faves. Yes. Um, this urban legend is not one of my faves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this urban legend spawned its own website?
1: A poorly made website, by the way. Uh,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot discount that fact, but yes, it, it's a poorly made website, but they did spawn off its own website.
1: It did. And, and... it's been, like, a prevailing theory since, like, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm.
0: Squall. He's a guy.
1: He's a mercenary. He's got a, a gun student mercenary.
0: He says whatever sometimes.
1: He has weird belts.
0: Maybe he's dead.
1: Yeah. So the theory is that uh, the end of disc one, you go and fight uh Adia. And she basically summons, like, a giant icicle and skewers Squall with it, and he falls off the the platform, and then it's, like, in disc one, switch disc two. And then when you switch to disc two, he's just in a prison, and nobody addresses his wound or anything, and the only time he talks about it is he's like, my wound? What wound? There's no work! And so the whole concept behind this squall is dead theory is that the icicle actually killed squall, and that everything post disc one is like his dying dream of how it would have played out.
0: It's a long dream.
1: Yeah, it's a long dream and it's like so bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's such a bad theory. Like I understand why people Came up with it because I, I do agree that the not addressing the wound thing is a little bit odd. You're right, yeah. But I mean, the fact that we have sorceress bloodlines and everything, and him transporting into his, spoiler alert, dad's body, like, there was already weirdness going on in Final Fantasy Eight, and people who say that, like, oh, you know, it's so normal up until, you know, Disc 1 ended. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It's not normal. (laughs) I mean, normal by Final Fantasy standards, maybe. But, like, there was still a lot of fantasy elements to it. And, like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that that's the kind of, like, way Squall's brain would go when he dies. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to, like, have all this stuff happen with Renoa and I'm gonna think about all this sorceress stuff and like Laguna's my dad now. Like why why would all this No <laughs> He didn't care about any of that until like mid this two. So like why why would he dream that as he's dying? It doesn't make any sense. It's a getting dumb stabbed
0: open up all that parts of his brain, so
1: Yeah. Um and the one other piece that they say like corroborates this theory is that in the ending uh, CG video at one point uh, Squall just has like a black face like there's right. no face there and black face not like black face he just has no it's like, face. It's like a hole. <laughs> yeah he has a hole in his face so that's and I don't understand how that really backs up the theory at all. But it's like that Dio it,
0: face we saw last night.
1: Oh right it is the Dio face. Maybe that's like a thing in Japanese maybe, that I maybe. don't know about.
0: Like, being hmm. faceless.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't think about that. But it is, like, the Dio face. Um, is this a
2: JoJo reference?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I have a picture of that on my phone now for all future purposes. Uh, JoJo reference, that is. So, as you can probably tell, I think this series dumb. <laughs> Um there's a second part of this theory and that is even more shaky and that's the whole idea that Renoa is Ultimecia. Mm-hmm. and basically the main way that they like pick picked up that theory is that she has griever And so they're like, well that she got that from school It's like, Yeah, that happens in the narrative. She's like, hmm, I wonder what the strongest thing you could think of is. Oh, it's Griever. Here. It's mine now. Like, literally happens in the narrative. (laughs) Has (laughs) nothing to do with her having the ring or anything. Like, ah. And, like, yeah, I get that Renoa is a sorceress and is going to be a sorceress for the rest of her life until, like, she accidentally passes her powers on to somebody. But, like, the whole idea of her being Ultimisia is a little odd. And part of... Their like reasoning on this is that they have the same facial model, but that's because it was on the PlayStation 1.
0: Right, it's not like you're going to have diverse facial models in that era.
1: Basically, like all the ladies have the same face. I think the only one who doesn't is maybe like, Kistis? I think she doesn't. But... Like, Alan has the same face. Renoa has the same face. Adia has the same face. Olnoesia has the same face. Like, it's... it's. They have the same face.
0: Everyone is Ultimecia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cypher is Ultimecia. So, it's odd how many theories have, like, surrounded Final Fantasy VIII. And, like, how they have to do with either Squall being dead or Renoa lamenting Squall being dead.
2: Rip. <sighs> I hate Rip Squall
1: theory. I hate it so much. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate
2: it. I'm
0: glad we could rehash this from our Final Fantasy 8 episode. <laughs>
1: yeah. Whoops.
0: Well, should we dive into our next
2: spooky urban legend,
1: yeah, this one actually is really spooky, and it's gotten me a few times that I'm like I might need to sleep with like a light on
0: <laughs> I mean now this is this is kind of like a well-known creepy pasta
1: it is it is a yeah. well pasta,
0: but uh you know when it was first coming out, it wasn't necessarily that obvious mm-hmm. I guess maybe for some people it was, others it was like, maybe this maybe this happened.
2: Whoa.
0: <laughs> uh this is been drowned from Majora or from Majora's Mask.
1: Yep. So the whole concept behind Ben drowned is that the the whole idea is that this guy goes to a garage sale or a yard sale, depending on which part of the country you're from, and uh he's looking for old sixty-four carts. And he finds a gray one without a label, but it has Majora's Mask written on it. And so he goes and he buys it from this person who's kind of spooky in and of themselves. And he goes home and he plays it, and there's already a file on there called Ben. And he says, all right, well, I'll just start this up and see, like, where they got to and all that. And then, like, spooky stuff starts happening with a cart. And, like, everybody addresses him as Ben, which, like, they say that's creepy, but they address Link as Link, so.
0: Or, like, whatever name you choose.
1: Right. Is that really that weird? Not Um, really. But but anyway, the guy was like, oh, no, I don't want to do this anymore. So he, uh, like, started a new file... And it just got, like, more creepy from there with, like, game glitching and, um, like, the little statue of Link followed him around at points. And uh, eventually, like, some kind of, like, cart corruption happens in this story. And he gets another file that's called Drowned. And it's, like the whole thing is the whole quote from the happy mass salesman of like, you met with a terrible fate, haven't you? Mm-hmm. And so there's this whole thing of like been drowned. Uh, it, it's, I knew it wasn't real, but it still is a little creepy every time I hear about it. And like pictures from it freak me out.
0: But I think that kind of helps like attempt to legitimize it where there's like photographic evidence with it. Yeah. It's so like, I think that's what helps it in terms of that. Cause you know, you could write anything you want and try and pass it off as real or, or whatever. And people will be like, yeah, but this has like photographs with it. So you're like, well, maybe this actually happened. And I think as well, like a game like Majora's Mask lends itself to something like this. Mm-hmm. Cause it's already like that spooky nature to that game in general. So like adding this on top of it kind of helps kind of per- perpetuate that, that legend. So to say.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean Majora's Mask really it has that vibe to it. And so like adding on I mean, legitimately you could just like put the happy mask salesman for Majora's Mask somewhere near me and I'd be like, Alright, I'm terrified.
0: Wasn't the whole thing with like when it gets corrupted and then the drowned file comes in is that like you play as Link but like Link has like no face?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Once again, no face.
1: No face.
0: <laughs> it's a trend.
1: Um, And I think there's another one where he gets, like, blood eyes. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't think you get that when you drown, but I don't don't remember. Drowning's not a pretty death, I will say that.
0: No. But, uh, I mean, as people have figured this thing out, like, they know now, like, oh, this came from 4chan, so obviously it's, like, that kind of automatically makes you kind of question it nowadays
1: yeah, it's automatic suspect
0: so but yeah like you know many people have kind of fallen for that thing so it's been well documented so it's not it's kind of hard now to like try and trick someone with it but you know you probably still could there's probably someone out there who's not heard of it maybe maybe
1: Just i don't depends. know do we want to like traumatize children
0: I mean, we were pretty much already doing that.
1: Okay, you're fair. You're, you're fair. You're right. That is fair. Let me get my sentences straight.
0: I mean, nowadays there's probably like creepypastas about Minecraft or something. That's the way the, the, uh, the kids.
1: There actually is an urban legend about Minecraft. There is. Mm-hmm. I just don't know enough about Minecraft to actually like make yeah. sense of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, uh, should we uh, should we move on to our next one? Yeah. Okay. We gotta go back in time a bit.
1: Yeah, to a wild time called the 80s.
0: <laughs> the wildest time.
1: I mean, not wrong.
0: <laughs> uh, so, this is an arcade game that people have probably heard about. I mean, it's also an actual game now. Yeah. Which kind of is a weird thing in and of itself. But uh, back in the 80s, there was this rumor about a game called Polybius. And there's, there's actually like weird differentiating stories about it because some people like use the Polybius story to claim that it was killing people, and other people will say it was like a government inside job to like watch people.
1: Yeah, so the one that I hear the most is that it was, um, oh, dang it. What was that military thing that they did?
2: I mean,
0: There's a lot of military uh, things that they've done.
1: Yeah, but it was like a, um, not like the, the sheet thing, like government ex- uh, uh, ex- <laughs> experimentation. Okay. That's the word I'm looking for. What what was the I'm looking it up, sorry.
0: <laughs> but uh, okay, so the one I usually heard the most was that it was killing people. But that oh, one that's is what you more... heard? That's the one I always heard the most. Oh damn. But that one is like it's gets con- it gets um confused with um what was it, Berserk? Berserk. Which was a game that people were like trying to get like extreme high scores on and like literally actually dying playing. Yeah.
1: If they got six (laughs) six six.
0: Yeah. There was a rumor to that, but like didn't people actually die playing that, or was it just like
1: Yeah, two guys died.
0: So and so like it kind of conflated that into, you know, oh arcade games are killing people, and then that kinda got tied into Polybius a bit, depending on who you ask. Like the urban legend goes that way, but I think it's more people being confused about just like that general atmosphere and the time period of people being hysteric about all sorts of things.
1: I mean that makes sense. Yeah. Um.
0: But also, it was just like this whole thing of like you know. There was no like it wasn't a mass-produced cabinet, it correct. was just like you would find one somewhere in the back corner of a arcade, and then it was like, what is this? And then people would play it, and oh god, they would something would happen to them, and and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it was. It was in Portland, Oregon, is where the right. whole theory, like conspiracy theory comes from. Um. anyway I can't find the thing that I'm looking for but the one that I heard most often was the fact that it was used for like government experimental like testing
2: mm-hmm.
1: that like twice a week men in black would come and like watch right, people and yeah. like grab stats from the arcade cabinet Um. so it was supposed to be some kind of like training thing i guess
0: but i mean at that time like that sort of thing would happen right like you'd have people come in and like gather statistics from a cabinet like maybe it was just like here's this arcade cabinet we have it in for like play testing uh developers or someone's going to come in and get information from it and see like okay well here's like scores and everything here's how people are playing on it like that's kind of not that uncommon right
1: it's not um I mean, you would definitely have people come in and check the, the cabinets often, but, and especially if it's like a test cabinet, that makes mm. a lot of sense that they'd have somebody checking on it. But, uh, you know, the whole men in black thing is a little, <laughs> maybe they just made that up, but. Right. Uh, I think it was probably just the whole, like you said, the atmosphere of it, the, like, newness of this arcade cabinet, there was so few of and then like with people checking it regularly there's like woo this must be the government and you know the 80s was a high like the early 80s was a big time for the cold war so mm-hmm.
0: so people was, were on edge
1: there was already regardless. a lot of paranoia and that kind of thing
0: right Which,
1: but I always thought this one was really cool like the theory behind it yeah the urban legend whatever you want to call it
0: so, so correct me if I'm wrong but did mm-hmm. they actually make legitimate like was there actually like a polybius cabinet
1: um because
0: so i've seen like there's pictures around but like none those of could them be are just, the same yeah they could be reproductions and all that sorts
1: of stuff yeah so i have not ever actually found any evidence that there was a cabinet that exists mm. like a real cabinet that was the game that still is intact right um people have like remade it based off of memories and that kind of thing
0: which like is just ridiculous because how are you going to remake something that didn't necessarily exist?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's messy. But, um, you know, I, I could be wrong and somebody can correct me if I am wrong, but I have yet to see any solid evidence that, like, this game actually does exist still um, mm-hmm. as it was at the time. And it's so weird to, like, And he said, reconstruct a game based off of memory. Like, that's going to mess with you a lot, especially if you already think that it's kind of like a government conspiracy. (laughs) Making you have nightmares and that kind of thing. And um, from what I understand, a lot of it was the same kind of, like, epileptic pulsing type scenario with the lights. Right. And so maybe that lends itself a little bit to it. Like, maybe... Maybe somebody had, like, a an epilepti- epileptic fit or something when they were playing it. hmm And, you know, that kind of, like, lended it to... Because kids spread stuff really quick.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of so course.
1: So if somebody has, like, an attack in an arcade, then I'm sure that, you know, 50 kids are going to know about it immediately. And then they're going to spread it out. But, like, it's going to keep getting a bigger fish and that kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's probably what I would guess on it, but who knows?
0: But now there's there's an actual video game called Polybius that came out last year by Death Mentor. Yeah. So (laughs) now you can make your own decisions.
1: (laughs) Is it going to ruin your life? Are you going to become a government, uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: Government agent.
1: Pawn, yeah, yeah agent's good. I guess
0: it's no. <laughs> yeah, what a weird thing.
1: Yeah, but it's so neat, like to think about the fact that this entire urban legend just came about from like a play test of an arcade cabinet mm-hmm. in Oregon. <laughs> right. Like, oh man, gaming's crazy. <laughs> You know, let me just rearrange that sentence. People are crazy because they'll believe and make up anything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of crazy, let's talk about this next game
1: Kill Switch. Kill Switch. So, you didn't know a lot about Kill Switch when I put it on the list, right? No. Okay. Um, so, anybody who knows me at all knows that I have a weird affinity for Russian history. And just Russian stuff in general. <laughs> uh, I can't explain it. I don't understand why, but I do. So, Kill Switch has always been a really crazy game to me. And, like, this is another one in the fact that, like, nobody actually knows if it really existed. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. And if it did exist, it's genuinely, like, a terrible game.
0: It's usually how long it um, go?
1: Yeah. So, what Kill Switch was, is it was a Russian made video game, and you can play as two different protagonists, but one is this girl who's stuck in a mine, and you have to solve puzzles in order to escape the mine. And it's supposed to be like the first psychological horror game. Right. Uh, And you get like hints throughout on what happened to the mine to make it this way and all. But once you actually complete the game, the game deletes itself completely from your computer. And so there was about like 5,000 copies, I think, supposedly made. And if they delete themselves, then like, okay, you don't have any more copies of this game. It's done. Um, Side note, the second protagonist is hilarious because it's like a invisible ghost protagonist uh but supposedly in gameplay like in, unless you have a certain item you just can't see your character at all so I don't it's impossible to play through it because you your character is and you don't know what you're doing uh so the whole thing with kill switch is people were saying that the ghost character no one had ever completed that side of it <laughs> Uh, which is funny that you have this urban legend about this creepy game, and then the other half of it's just impossible. <laughs> um, so Killswitch probably would have like just not mattered at all in terms of urban legends if it if it had just been like this. But adding on to the theory is that there was an instance a few years back that supposedly a Japanese guy bought one of the last surviving copies of kill switch and he bought it on eBay for like nearly a million dollars and he was going to stream it. He was going to do a let's play. And from what they were saying uh, about this, he basically uploaded a video of him that was like two minutes and he didn't say anything. You couldn't see his face. He had his head down on his desk. And all you could hear was just him sobbing.
0: <laughs> Which seems ridiculous.
1: Yeah. So. um it, it kind of got a renewed mythos behind it. Because of that. Whereas like before it was just. You know a weird Russian game. That deleted itself. Like you said it's kind of like. A Kojima.
0: Because there, there was a supposedly there's a quote from Kojima about him wanting to make a game at some point where like you beat the game and then the, the disc basically just burns up, Mm -hmm. which that sounds like a Kojima thing that he would want to do. It does. He's that kind of person, but also like this seems questionable because the thing I read was that like this game came out around the time of like the NES supposedly, like it was around that time of development. Would the technology even exist for it to basically erase itself back then?
1: I don't think so, um, but I don't really know. Right. It's a good question because it was an early PC game, mm-hmm. and I mean, how would it have worked back then?
0: And also, like you know, if it erases itself after you beat it, like you would have physical copies of the game. Mm -hmm. Why would you not be able to reinstall it?
1: That's a good point.
0: Because that's, you know, back then, that's the way PC games worked. It was that, you know, you're getting this on a a butt ton of floppy disks or something of that nature, Mm -hmm. and that's how you play your games. Like, it's not like it is today where, you know, you're going to download it from the internet and... Have it that way. Like, if it was that, if it was more like that, like it might make more sense because you wouldn't have another a physical copy of it. So you'd have to try and find another version of it. But with this, it's like you have the physical copies. They're not burning up or exploding or getting eaten. Like, once the game is erased from your computer, the computer unless there's like hidden files that like say that tell the computer, hey, don't install this. But even then, they would probably be able to. You could find that and delete those. Like you would put the disc back in and it would just reinstall the game.
1: Nineteen eighty nine. So I like, just looked it up.
0: I feel like there's way more like holes in this story than other ones we've kind of talked about thus far where it's like you can kind of pick this one apart too like way too easily for it to like be legitimate.
1: Yeah. I mean it it's if it existed, like and I know that people have also recreated this one. Um, it was bad, and the whole reason that like it has any kind of real lasting impact on it is because of the urban legend behind it and the fact that it like self deleted apparently. Right. I think if that idea had not gotten out about the self deletion, that this game would have just like nobody died would care. Yeah. yeah, nobody would care.
0: It's kind of like uh, some of these like supposed urban legend games kind of have that reputation because like they do something weird but a lot of times it's just like they're bad games they're like, really bad games you look at this you look at something like um what is it was like hong kong 97 where it has like it's infamous because it supposedly has a dead body in the the game over screen like a legit dead body picture what? but the game is like super duper bad
1: <laughs> he agrees
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: my God that's funny I didn't realize there was a dead body in a game I haven't seen that
0: yeah supposedly like the game over screen fi- features a picture of like a legitimate dead body yikes yeah but also that game is just like really really terrible
1: I believe that so I mean if you're relying on dead body gimmicks then I'm pretty sure you don't have a good game <laughs> let's just be real
0: well what do we talk about another game featuring a, Speaking of a dead body
1: dead body. Um, so I'm excited about this one. Uh, I mean, not because of the topic at hand, but because (laughs) I love this game. Um, and eventually we're going to talk about it on the podcast once I finish it. But, Mm. uh, so Luigi's Mansion was originally going to be like a darker version of like my Mario game. Right. Um, somewhere along the line, they decided that they wanted to lighten it up a bit because... You know, who wants to have a dark and edgy Mario game? Let's be real.
0: Yamoto saw that and was like, no? <laughs>
1: yeah, no. Um, so what this relies on is an odd shadow and that idea that it was darker at some point and that maybe there were leftover assets. Mm-hmm. Um. But the whole idea is that Luigi's Mansion is... Like, post-Luigi committing suicide. Which is crazy. <laughs> um, because there is one scene in the game where Luigi goes and he answers a phone in a room. And you see a shadow. And the shadow is, like, lifted off the ground and has the arms straight down. And it's definitely Luigi. And so people have interpreted that as, like, he he hanged himself um I don't think Nintendo ever would have done anything quite that edgy
0: right it does not seem like their type of thing.
1: no, I think that that was probably just an error in like the Luigi's shadow from him going out of the room right uh and people will argue like, oh, but the other shadows all make sense and he's like yeah, but gaming errors do happen like right. <laughs> It happens. This one just is unfortunate and I'm interested to see if like they fixed it in the 3DS version.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if you think like they would actually address that at all or I mean I it know. makes sense that they would.
1: It would make sense because like you really don't want people to think like Luigi like hanged himself in in this game.
0: And especially in um, that era like Nintendo was way more protective of their first party IPs at the time. Yeah. So like I don't think they would go that far to be like, oh, we're going to make an edgy Mario game. Like, that just doesn't seem like the thing they would do.
1: No, it doesn't. And I think the whole idea that, like, it was going to be an edgy Mario game in the first place is probably not true. Uh, Because how would you make it edgy? I mean, it's Luigi running around a mansion with a vacuum cleaner.
0: It's like the same people who wanted uh, Twilight Princess to be like this edgy, realistic, gritty Zelda game.
1: Yeah. And it's just not that. That's not what Nintendo does. And that's fine. Um, But the whole idea of this is just so bizarre to me. And I'm really, really interested to see if they've changed it uh, when I go through the game. But... Yeah. Uh... Yeah, apparently Luigi committed suicide, and Luigi's <laughs> before Luigi's Mansion happened. Rip, rip.
0: That's why He's the sequel the happens. That's why they're making a third one.
1: Mhm. He's actually Casper, the friendly ghost. <laughs> God,
0: that's a reference people are totally gonna remember.
1: Yeah. Whoops.
2: Whoops.
0: All right. Um, i I've, I've brought I brought a I brought a clip. Oh, a clip not a clip but i've brought something to the to discussion um there's an interesting urban legend that surrounds the super famicom version of Shimagami tensei correct and essentially the gist of it is is that like there is a slight 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 chance that if you boot up the game instead of it going to like the main menu it'll just display a screen with text all over the screen that says Sugu Ni, sugu ni Kesei which literally just says turn it off. So it's just turn it off all over your screen. <laughs> and so essentially this urban legend kind of came about in 2003 on some Japanese message boards. Uh, apparently there was a forum thread called Scary Glitches in Retro Games. <laughs> and Seems legit. This poster comes in and says this verbatim. I think I read about this somewhere else on here in a Megami Tensei thread, but I'll post it anyway because I think it's pretty fitting. One day, somebody was in the mood to play SMT1, so they went over to their Super Famicom and flipped the switch to turn the power on. Now, normally when the game boots up after the Atlas logo appears on the screen, you're supposed to see the game's iconic magic circle, right? However, this time, nothing happened. The screen was just pitch black, and it stayed that way. Thinking it was strange, they decided to wait a little bit and see what would happen, and when he did, the words, Suguni Kese, flashed onto the screen. However, when I honestly, when I read it, I thought it was pretty... B- But it was still pretty scary in its own right. So that happens. And then basically nothing else comes of it. But a year later, there's another thread that's kind of about the same stuff. And supposedly there's a developer from Atlas that comes in. Oh. And this person says, well, this story definitely takes me back. Maybe it's finally time I shed a little light on this. You see, I'm the one who implemented that into the main game. And I conspired with another programmer to make it happen. At the time, it was pretty commonplace for games to have hidden stuff inside of them, so without telling any of the main staff, I set out to put something in the game that would be befitting, befitting the Megami Tensei name. At first, I had the screen set to appear with a 1 in 256 chance, but that frequency was still a little too high for my liking, and I worried that le- that would lessen the impact of it. As a result, I ended up turning it to a rate of 1 in 65,536 times. <laughs> Even then, it still managed to get discovered in early copies of the game, resulting in an en- Resulting in it getting scrubbed out of later versions of the game. Still, it's a pretty nice memory I have from a different time after it's all said and done. So, all of that happens. And then, eventually, there appears... In 2010, a video goes up on Nico Nico that supposedly reproduces that screen. Uh, The person who is, like, doing this entire thing is, like, actually investigating whether this is actually real or not. And they go into, like, talking about, okay, so... Here's how many versions of Shimigami Tensei, like, the carts there were. And there was basically, I think, only, like, two. So, like, one or two. So, basically, if there was this, this supposed thing in there and it got wiped out later on, it's probably not the case. Because they only, like, reissued carts if there was, like, major bugs they had to fix. Right?
1: Right. Or if it's, like, a Ocarina of Time thing and they got to change the blood color and right. slash the Muslim references.
0: So, the video kind of makes it seem like, oh, well, maybe this is an actual thing. But then we flash forward to 2012, and someone else comes in and and talks about this. This is what they say. The thing that's troubling me about this is the point about it being a random occurrence that takes place right after the, the Super Famicom is turned on. Truth be told, I have my doubts as to whether such a thing would really be the case here. The thing about computers is that as long as the inputted controls remain in, remain the same, the output should essentially remain consistent. That's why it's possible to even do things like tool assisted speedruns in the first place. Given that the random dice roll is said to be taking place during the initial booting phase of the game, it's reasonable to assume that the thing that would enable the random number generating seed to function properly and properly dole out different random numbers each time and every time would be some sort of data with a battery backup attached to it. That data would then be called up and read, would be called up and read, and a number generated accordingly. Here's the problem with that. Shin Megami Tensei does come with its own battery backup, but it's used for save game data. With just this on its own, unless the save game, game data is sub- sub- subsequently altered, it would be possible to end up with a case where Sugunikise could keep relentlessly appearing without end at every time the game is powered on. This could still be technically resolved by having the program change the seeding data in the background when the words show up on the screen, but that's an awful lot of trouble to go to, go to from a development perspective. Basically, I don't think any an RNG program that runs a startup is inherently impossible, but it certainly wouldn't be easy for a cartridge game like this. And then in 2013, someone else kind of goes that route. One way of doing this with a battery backup would be to implement a timer and have the game constantly keeping track of how many seconds have passed since shutting down, and then when the game is booted up, booted up use the number as the basis of generating a random number. It could also be accomplished by having a dedicated program run in the battery backup region that keeps counting a number up as its first task at startup, and then only having the screen appear once every 65,536 times that way. If you put Logic circuits into the cartridge for the express purpose making it happen, there are multiple ways to make such a screen actually pop up, but likewise, I have my doubts about whether anyone in Atlas would actually go to such lengths. So people are like, are like really diving into this, like, well, about that.
1: Yeah, see, that would be my question, is couldn't you just look at the source code and see if it's in there? Mm-hmm. But, but
0: but the thing that gets tricky is that the person who is, who is investigating this kind of figures out that this didn't happen in Shin Megami Tensei 1. Oh. So if we go back to that original post, the first line is that, I think I read about this somewhere else in a Megami Tensei thread. Yeah. And then if you go back to a post that happened in 2002, this brings it up again. Or, like, is the precursor to bringing up. There was this one time when my friend was playing Shin Megami Tensei 2. Oh. It was the middle of the night, and when they turned it on, the Alice logo didn't pop up. It was just a pitch-black screen. Just as my friend was wondering whether the cartridge wasn't making proper contact with the system, the words, Sugu appeared onto the black screen all of a sudden in red text. Ever since then, my friend has never touched a Megami Tensei game. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the year between that first post and the 2003 post... The, the story gets shifted from Shin Megami Tensei 2 to Shin Megami Tensei 1. And that basically makes the whole thing completely different. Because obviously right. if it's about SMT2 and not SMT1, you know, you're not going to be able to reproduce that in SMT1. Right. So the uh, the funness of of Urban Legends can just kind of be easily construed in that way, where it's like, oh... I I didn't I forgot which game it was. So now it's this game now and not the other one. But also I think like they've kind of come up where that's that's also bunk, but this also ties into um uh Persona 4 Arena.
2: Mhm.
0: So if you had a pre-release version of Persona 4 Arena, the Japanese version.
1: They made a joke about it, didn't they? They make a
0: joke about it. So like if you're playing it before release And you boot it up, and the information ticker down at the bottom where it would have, like, you know, stuff about the game, stuff about, like, DLC and all that sort of stuff, it literally just scrolls Tsukunikese throughout the entire thing. And that's all it scrolls. (laughs) That's funny. Which is really good.
1: I like it when developers, like, make fun of themselves or make fun of, like, Urban Legends, that kind of thing. I think it's fun.
0: Especially because, like, if you're playing that game pre-release, like, not many people are going to see it. Right. So, like, that's the perfect time to do that.
1: I agree. Uh, yeah, but like, I think also,
0: you know, that kind of urban legend works because, you know, those SMT games are, you know, spooky in their own right. So, like, you could kind of, that's the kind of thing you could buy and be like, maybe that's a thing that
2: happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Majora's Mask in the sense that, like, the atmosphere is perfect for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it makes, it's one of the ones that's actually, like, somewhat believable as opposed to, like, Luigi's Mansion where it's not at all all right
0: <laughs> uh well speaking of ones that could be potentially believable okay let's talk about uh lavender town from the lavender Pokemons. Town.
1: so uh i have to make sure i get my my bearings on this one from what i remember in reading this that the whole idea is that In the Japanese release of Pokemon, is it Red and Blue?
0: Yes,
2: the original Um, ones.
1: Yeah, the original. When kids got to Lavender Town, uh, because of the music, they started like committing suicide.
0: That was the yeah. That was the rumor. Yeah. Which like it's helped it's perpetuated by that because when they localized the Pokemon games for English releases, they changed the music. And I think at the time of the Pokemon games coming out, like, Japan was having a real, like, a real bad problem with kids committing suicide.
1: They did, yeah.
0: So, like, obviously, you know, Pokemon was such a huge thing, huge thing so people put two and two together and was like, well, these Pokemon games are making people commit suicide. <laughs>
1: Not actually thinking about like, hmm, I wonder why these children are committing right. suicide.
0: It's just, oh, this is a popular thing, so that's that's exactly the reason. And then you know the information about about Nintendo of America changing the music, that also kind of added to it. Was like, well, they had to change the music because there was something bad in the song that made people want to commit suicide. Clearly, that was what's happening.
1: It's odd because like, why did people latch onto Lavender Town?
0: I, I guess because it was that creepy nature of that of that town where it's like that it, makes
1: sense it's I all like
0: it's... that's the place where you get all the ghost Pokemon there's a graveyard there the music's still fairly creepy
1: it is so I guess it's kind of the same thing as Majora and SMT and, and that, like, like the creepiest part gets right it.
0: and then also that kind of like led into like that whole um, what was it Pokemon Black cart where it was supposed to be just like all Lavender Town stuff and it was just like yeah. they turned Pokemon to a horror game or something like that <laughs> it's like once again it's all about Lavender
1: Town yeah. Damn you, Lavender Town. Um so yeah, I I don't think that this one has any real substance to it. Like they're like you said, it was a weird coincidence. that It was like yeah. at the time that they were having this like suicide crisis and
0: It, it, it it'd be like if 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 America right now. I mean, you could kind of say this like it has a problem with young people committing suicide and it was like it was higher than like it potentially is right now in terms of statistics like you would have someone who would look at that and look at like it'd be like oh well playing fortnite causes people to commit suicide
1: well and there was a thing like last year that people were saying like doki doki literature club makes children commit suicide it's like what what (laughs) should be playing doki doki literature club (laughs) And wow. too like it was a thing it was like on BBC that they were saying that people were committing suicide because of playing Doki Doki Literature Club.
2: That's And ridiculous. so like this is always
1: a thing that like keeps coming up and like people try and find like a a media cause of this as opposed to like an actual Yeah. cause.
0: It's what it is what are the kids into that's clearly the cause of it.
1: Right. Um and I don't know why Nintendo of America changed the music, but maybe they were just trying to make it, like, more kid-friendly.
0: Maybe, or they was like, looking at this like, this seems real weird. We should change this. Yeah. Well, speaking of Pokemon.
1: Speaking of Pokemon.
0: Let's talk more about Pokemon.
1: <laughs> this theory is so funny to me. Um, I mean, I guess it makes sense in some ways, um, but I never even considered it when I played Pokemon, Right. But the whole idea is that Pokemon world is post like this massive global war. And that that's why you don't have many adult men. And like the adult men that you do have are like like, older or like chubby. Is because they weren't drafted. And it's like what the heck. It's like. You know those websites that are, like, uh, ruin your childhood type thing, and they try and make like Rugrats edgy. Yeah, I feel like that's what this theory is.
0: That that sounds like because like it just doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: It doesn't. Like, um, are we gonna <clears throat> are we gonna say that uh, Love Live is also in like a post war because there's very little men shown?
0: Yes, I, I would like to welcome you to my TED Talk about Love Live in the post war <laughs> post war world.
1: <laughs> so I mean it's just an odd idea that like
0: I mean you could like boil that down to like any JRPG
1: yeah you really could I mean it's it's just kind of how it goes is it
0: and it's a game for the game boy where like the limitations on characters is going to be pretty big
1: yeah so you know you want memorable characters and you want ones that stick out and in many cases, that ends up being, like, the older, wiser guy or the mom.
0: It's a game about collecting Pokemon. Like, why do you care about the the actual human characters?
1: Yeah, nobody cares. So that one's... It's, it's dumb theory, but it's an urban legend that has thrived for ages now.
0: Right. Uh, speaking of urban legends that have thrived...
1: For ages.
0: For ages, just because of some some little goof.
1: This one is so funny.
0: Let's talk about uh, Street Fighter 2.
1: It's not really a spooky one, but I put it on here because I like it. Yeah, so it's ge- just... <laughs> deal with it, guys.
0: It's such a goof. It is. Uh, So this dates back to basically original Street Fighter 2. Correct. Where if you play as Ryu... Right? It's Ryu.
1: It's Ryu, yeah. And, and... if you're... Usually it's if you're going against um Why would I get on his name? Ken. Ken. Yeah. Ken. He's the most like white name. Why did I forget that?
0: <laughs> he is the uh the USA uh representative.
1: Well him a guile eventually.
0: Uh but yeah, like Ryu will say something about like you must defeat Shen Long. Yeah. And that was and- uh that was throughout like all of the English releases and everyone's like
1: Long?
2: Who
0: is it? And you know, eventually throughout like the the era like I think like at one point EGM wrote in their April issue, so you kind of get 4th. the idea, yeah, of like this this elaborate strategy of how you unlock Shanglong in Street Fighter 2. Yes. And then I think one of the the home releases in the in the manual references Long as like Ryu and Ken's master. Yes. So they're basically just perpetuating and perpetuating this rumor that like there's there's some Shanglong character. But the whole thing comes down to a mistranslation.
1: It's a mistranslation. Yeah. Of the Shoryuken.
0: Yeah.
2: Which is that, hilarious.
0: That is what he's supposed to be talking about is the Shoryuken, Shory, the the Shory, Shoryuken. I can speak. Um, but somehow it gets translated as Shang-Long.
1: <laughs> so he's supposed to say that like you'll have to defeat the Shoryuken in order to win. But he just talks about Shang-Long and it creates this entire mythos of this character. <laughs> because of a mistranslation, it's so funny.
0: God. I mean, that's kind of just like that arcade mythos at that time were like a lot of those fighting games that were coming out you would have like those weird and wacky rumors going through like i mean like the moral combat games also had this sort of thing where like oh you see uh you see this character in the background you can if you do this sort of thing at the, the exact right time you can play as them yeah like all they, all those games had like ridiculous rumors like that
1: like isn't that how we eventually got like Jade as a playable character was because like she was in the background at one point and they ended up making her playable.
0: Maybe. That, w- that wouldn't surprise me.
1: It was one of the like color swap, palette swap characters but I can't right. remember who it was. It's just so funny that it was a mistranslation. <laughs> and now he's <laughs> actual person.
0: And everyone was just like well, we'll just go with this.
1: Like, Sure, alright. Why not? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Capcom!
1: oh yeah. Oh, are we moving back into the world of Final Fantasy? I believe we are. All right, we're going back in the world of Spoopy too.
0: Final Fantasy 7
1: Ah, uh, it is often considered one Did of the greatest. Did Sephiroth of hit time. Cloud with that
0: that that piece of meteor?
1: Yes, he did. He definitely... Did he
0: have a, a grin as he flew by?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So, Final Fantasy 7 had... Spoiler alert. One of the main characters die at the Is end that... of the first
0: day. Whoa, 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 whoa.
1: It was a joke.
0: <laughs> okay. I was it, Is it this joke? really a spoiler?
1: <laughs> it joke. Yeah, it... <laughs> I, it was making a joke because okay, okay. 7 is ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Eris Aerith dies. She gets skewered by a Sephiroth, and it's not as funny as getting materia shoved in your face. Um, and so, because the world in 1997 was a simpler place, um, as soon as she died, basically the world spawned rumors that, like, you could revive her. Mm-hmm. If you did this, 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 and this. And so it became like this entire thing around Final Fantasy VII. Of people trying to figure out how to revive Aeris. Aerith. Um,
0: what did everyone say?
1: Yeah. I I prefer Eris just because that's how I played it. But right. I understand that the correct translation at this point now is Aerith. Um, you know who I'm talking about regardless of how I yeah. say it. Yeah. Uh, also found out that there was this whole idea that like she didn't die, um, for, which I didn't know this until yesterday. But like there was this whole idea that Eris didn't die, that like she got a like spinal damage and was paralyzed, and that Cloud killed her by like putting her in the water while she was paralyzed (laughs) and like that's not true there's no way that's true and the whole idea was just because they didn't animate the blood but i think they did that for raiding reasons yeah um but that's funny that it exists (laughs) and the last big thing besides reviving eris was uh eris's ghost which does have some kind of legitimacy to it um if you revisit her church uh i think it's on disc three uh i don't remember exactly what anyway no maybe just two uh anyway if you revisit her church as soon as you walk in like you see some kids playing in the flowers and you'll see like a ghost version of her like tending to the flowers And the question is, is it supposed to be, like, Cloud remembering her? Because that's what she was doing when he Mm. met her? Or is it, like, her ghost returning there?
0: Well, I gotta Uh, tend to the flowers.
1: Yeah, like, dang, these flowers are gonna die if I don't do it. I mean, I died, so I shouldn't let them die. That's two of us dead. (laughs) Uh, So there was all kinds of like weird theories about like her ghost and where all you could find her. And if you could get interact with the ghost and that kind of thing. Um, it's interesting. I mean, there's so much about Final Fantasy seven that like people latched on to and as much hate as Eris gets her death really, really impacted everybody. And you can't lie about that. Right. Um, and considering that the whole reviving Eris thing went on until, like, the internet became, like, really, really prominent in, like, mid-2000s. Right. Um, I mean, people really, really tried for ages. And I remember this being a thing, like, when I was a kid of people, mm-hmm. like, going onto like, AOL message boards and stuff and talking about how you could revive Eris. It was in magazines. Mm-hmm. It's um, kind of one of
0: those things that's kind of sad that is basically gone now is that just ridiculousness of crazy rumors that you would hear about in games and go out and try yourself. Like like the whole, like, well, go find Mew in Pokemon Red and Blue. He's under this truck.
2: Under the truck.
0: Under the truck. All that sorts of stuff. Like, you can't really replicate that anymore these days because everything is online immediately and... If you come up with some crazy rumor, it's just gonna get debunked in like, at most a day.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes me a little nostalgic for the days of uh, like people trying to figure out how to revive Aris and yeah. Shanglong and stuff. But, yeah. um, I mean, I guess it's great because if I get stuck in a game, I can find it really easy. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, but it, it, the internet's been terrible for urban legends. Let's be real.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong.
1: <laughs>
0: you're not wrong.
1: Ugh.
0: Well, we have talked about some urban legends. You want to talk about a curse?
1: I do want to talk about a curse.
0: A curse. Uh,
1: I guess I said... Before you talk about this, let me just say, I'm surprised I knew about this one.
0: That's true. Well, you did work at a GameStop.
1: I worked at a GameStop that's the only reason I know about this. Anyway, continue.
0: This basically is is kind of a a rehash of a different curse.
1: Oh, there's a different curse?
0: Yes. If you are, I don't know how aware of you, you are of the Sports Illustrated cover curse. No. Where athletes would be prominently featured in Sports Illustrated and then something bad would happen to them. Yikes. That is a that's a common thing throughout uh throughout sports like that is that is definitely a thing that has permeated through sports culture ever since you know Sports Illustrated debuted in the 60s mm-hmm. um, eventually it made its way into video games with the John Madden NFL franchise <laughs> which prior to 1998 all of the iterations of the game featured Madden on the cover
2: mm-hmm
1: Nothing and bad ever happened to him.
0: No, he's he's great. In 1998, with the release of Madden 99, they decided to put play- they decided to put players on the cover. Thus began the long running tradition of the Madden curse.
1: Madden
0: curse. And uh, we're gonna go through uh, all these curses that happen to people.
1: <laughs> oh man, I'm excited. Started- I mean, not for them to be <laughs> the curse, but. <laughs>
0: Starting with Madden NFL 99, cover athlete Garrison Hearst of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh had a great year in in 97. Led the 49ers to the playoffs in 98. Uh but you know, he suffered a horrifying broken ankle in the second round of the playoffs.
1: <laughs>
0: Supposedly complications from the surgery caused a bone in his foot to die.
1: How does a bone die? I don't know.
0: Early prognosis indicated that he might never play football again.
1: Oh my God.
0: He would go on to miss the next two seasons rehabilitating that injury.
1: That's terrible.
0: Madden NFL 2000 had dual cover athletes uh, Barry Sanders of the Detroit Lions and Dorsey Levins of the Green Bay Packers. Barry Sanders, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Uh, Is that
1: true, or are you just saying?
0: Legitimately it? true. Okay. Uh, Dorsey Levins had two seasons of over 1,000 yards. People thought he was a surprising choice. But uh, here's where the curse hits. Uh, not long after the uh, the cover athlete, Barry Sanders, was announced for Madden 2000, he retired from the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> so they basically – so this is a weird thing as well that kind of happens where you get like a cover athlete and then either like they switch teams and stuff like that so you have like these weird kind of rare covers that happen. So after Sanders retires, they put Levins on the cover. Uh, but also the season after he appears on the cover, it was his last as a star- as a starter because nagging injuries limited him in 1999. And the Packers would post their worst record since Brett Favre joined the team in 92. And then he would be released from the Packers in 2001. All bad. Bad in 2001 featured Eddie George from the Tennessee Titans on the cover. He was a Heisman Trophy winner from Ohio State. That means you're the best college football player. So in his career at that point, he had been, you know, pretty consistent, injury-free. Everyone was like, "All right, well, nothing bad's going to happen here." Uh-huh. Uh, well, he kind of made a few mistakes and screwed up one of the their their season during that time and Basically, after the season, he would never run for more than twelve hundred yards in a season again, and he averaged less than three point four yards per carry for the remainder of his career, which is not good numbers.
1: I say I don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. Yeah,
0: that's not great. Madden NFL two thousand and two featured Dante Culpepper from the Minnesota Vikings. He's a quarterback. Uh, in the two thousand season, he led the Vikings to an eleven and five record, conference championship game, threw for four thousand yards, rushed for five hundred yards. You know he was uh he was well on his way, but here comes the curse. A few months after being named the cover athlete, he suffers a knee injury against the Pittsburgh Steelers and misses the rest of the 2001 season. And then the following season, he threw 23 interceptions and only 18 touchdowns. And of co- and this is basically the year when the the quote unquote Madden curse kind of starts rearing. Like people start talking about it. You're like, this is – this something's happening here. <laughs> Madden 2003 features Marshall Falk of the St. Louis Rams. He's a running back. Uh, I believe this is, like, the year after they won the Super Bowl, so, you know, makes sense. Uh, But basically, the, at the season, you know, following his cover athlete status is basically when he starts to kind of go downhill – he wasn't able to rush for a thousand yards and then basically would get a lot of like just beaten up, broken up. And then eventually, the 2006 season, he would not be able to participate. And then he was gone. Gone from the league. in
1: 2004. <laughs> I was like, did they just erase it? What him? What happened?
0: Badden 04. Michael Vick.
1: Oh, I know this guy. Of the
0: Atlanta Falcons.
1: He sucks.
0: Uh,. Shortly after he was announced as a cover athlete, he fractured his right fibula in a preseason game that made him miss the first 11 games of the season. And then, of course, you know, there was the whole dog fighting thing.
1: Isn't a fibula, like, really hard to break?
0: I mean, it's like a leg bone.
1: Aren't those, like, the hardest break bones to break?
0: I don't know. I see a lot of people break their legs, so.
1: All right. Well, never mind.
0: Badden Get 05. some more
1: calcium, guys. <laughs>
0: yeah, drink, drink milk, please.
1: Or cheese. Madden 5. Don't,
0: <laughs> Don't drink cheese. Uh, featured Ray Lewis of the Baltimore Ravens.
1: That name sounds familiar.
0: Uh, in the season after his cover, athlete, uh, cover he failed to record a single interception for the first time in his career. The Ravens failed to make the playoffs. And then in the following season, he tore his right hamstring. Also, he might have murdered a dude. What?
1: And Is that why his it. name sounds familiar? Probably. <laughs> how, how do you murder a guy and get away with it? You're famous. Okay, yeah, fair.
0: You know the right people. Madden 06 featured Donovan McNabb of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, He was having a great 2005 season. And then he got a groin injury and was put on the injured reserve for the rest of the season.
1: He injured his junk.
0: Uh, The following year, he really didn't recover. And in week 11, he tore his ACL.
1: Oh, God.
0: And then the rest of his career was kind of just very inconsistent. Madden 2007, featured Sean Alexander of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, his 2006 season was immediately derailed by a broken foot in week three, just a few we- few months after being named the cover athlete. He did not rush for 1,000 yards since becoming a starter for the Seahawks in that time. And then he had a, a bad 2007 season, played with injuries, and would get cut from the, the roster in 2008. He apparently addressed the Madden curse in a 2007 interview by saying, Do you want to be hurt and on the cover or just hurt? <laughs> Which is like, yikes. Madden 08 featured, once again, two different athletes. It had Vince Young of the Tennessee Titans and Luis Castillo of the San Diego Chargers.
1: Oh, this is the first one that I sold.
0: This is because they had split because one was just the regular and then the other was a Spanish language version. Apparently... Prior to Young and Castillo being named the cover athletes, they, EA approached uh, San Diego running back Ladanian Tomlinson to be on the cover, and the Chargers fans were like, no!
2: <laughs> <laughs> you are- no! No! <laughs>
0: so Tomlinson declined the offer. He, he cited failed contract negotiations versus likeness. So mm. EA's like, okay, well, we gotta get these people. So Vince Young had a slow 2007 season to start, and then he entered his quadricep in week six. He would miss a game. It would be his first missed game due to an injury. He would later return the season only to re-injure himself in the final game of the season. Crap. And then basically he was a backup for like the rest of his career.
1: Do you know how I remember that? That's the first one that I ever like dealt with at GameStop. How so? You had to like wear business casual at GameStop as an employee.
0: Oh, you get to wear like jerseys and stuff.
1: But you got to wear jeans if you had a jersey.
0: Whoa.
2: <laughs>
1: Since I was in Tennessee at the time, I just went to like a thrift store and found like a kid's Tennessee Titans jersey <laughs> uh, and like a little boy's jersey for like three bucks. And I was like, "All right, cool. I don't, I don't have to wear dumb pants to work anymore. I can wear jeans." Heck yeah! So I, I game the system without knowing anything about football <laughs> because I went to the thrift store.
0: I bet people were were trying to chat you up like, "Oh yeah, football," and you're like, "I have no idea what you're talking about."
1: I was like, "I just wanted to wear jeans, yeah. y'all." <laughs>
0: Uh, also along with the uh the O seven or the O the, the O eight curse, uh Spanish cover athlete Luis Castillo missed a significant portion of the two thousand seven season where he suffered he was sidelined with a knee injury. Yikes. Madden 09 featured Brett Favre.
1: I remember that too.
0: On the cover. Uh, So, they debuted the cover with him on it, and he had the the Green Bay Packers jersey. This was basically, I think, after he had supposedly retired. And mm-hmm. then immediately, he's like, hey, by the way, I'm back. I'm going to sign with the New York Jets. So, they had to switch the cover to put him into a more updated uniform. And then he came back and was just like, really meh with the Jets. And suffered a, a, a right shoulder injury late in the season. Whoops. Madden, 2010, featured double athletes, two athletes on the cover, Larry Fitzgerald of the Arizona Cardinals and Troy Polamalu of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so Fitzgerald actually had a pretty decent season.
1: Did he, he escape uh, the curse?
0: He's He is kind of widely considered as one of the first examples of the the curse missing its mark. Uh, he set several personal records over the course of the 2009 season. Had a slightly letdown of a season in 2010, but still had really good numbers. The only thing that kind of happened was that he was unable to play the 2010 Pro Bowl due to a rib injury. Mm. So, f- for all intents and purposes, like he gets pre- he gets he gets off scot free almost. Paul Molo, on the other hand, sprained his MCL in the first in the first half of the of week one in the 2009 season. He he missed four games. He would play three more games, only to injure his posterior cruciate ligament in November. Mm.
2: Madden 2000,
0: 2011, there we go, <laughs> numbers, uh, featured Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints on the cover. Uh, didn't get injured, but the 2010 season was his worst to date. He threw twice as many interceptions as he had in the previous years. And the team was pretty lackluster in general. So, not bad, but also just not great. Right. 2012 saw Peyton Hillis of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, He had, like, a surprise breakout season the year before. So, they're like, hey, let's put him on the cover. And then in the 2011 season, it just all goes real bad. (sighs) He has, like, some, some physical issues that cause him to, like not play games. He gets out of sync with the team, has contract disputes with Cleveland in 2011. He ends up only playing 10 games that season, getting only 587 yards rushing. It's a bad, bad year. And then he, the the Browns are like, now nah, we don't want you back. <laughs> Madden 2013. The curse is gone. What? We have Chad or Calvin Johnson of the Detroit lions on the cover. Uh, Calvin Johnson's 2012 season was one of his best overall. He broke a lot of records. He went on to get a record setting, 1,964 yards receiving over the course of the season. A record that was that he broke from Jerry Rice. He also set or tied NFL records for 100-yard games and receptions during 2012. So he had, like, a fantastic year. Wow. He was like, curses? Nah. <laughs> Madden NFL 25. The game from 2014. Because it was the twenty fifth anniversary.
1: Oh, okay, I was very yeah. It's confused. It's, it's
0: a real dumb. Uh, featured Adrian Peterson of the Minnesota Vikings on the cover. Uh, he, the curse is back. Oh no. He had a decent start to twenty thirteen the twenty thirteen season. Then he had a nagging foot injury. The team went a a pretty bad five ten and one over the season. And basically, he was done by the time December came around. Madden in twenty fifteen featured Richard Sherman of the Seattle Seahawks. The curse is not striking this time. He had a great performance overall, led the Seahawks to the Super Bowl for the second straight season. The team did lose to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, so maybe maybe it kinda did it kinda crept up at the the, the worst possible moment. Maybe. Maybe. And uh so that's basically the only bad thing. They yeah. lost the Super Bowl. But other than that, he was fine. Uh, Madden 2016 featured Odell Beckham Jr. of the New York Giants. Once again, the curse doesn't really make an appearance. He had... Odell Beckham has some, like... He's he's criticized for some of his off-field antics, let's say. And when some of his on field antics. Did he? he didn't murder anyone. Uh, he got suspended a game. But basically, he had a really good season. Finished with 1,450 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns. Uh, got named to the Pro Bowl. Pretty much a really decent year. Madden 2017 featured Rob Gronkowski of the New England Patriots. Welcome back to the curse. Oh no! He missed the first two se- first two games of the 26th season with a hamstring injury. He was used a little bit during weeks three and four, but didn't really do anything. Uh, didn't get a start until week five. Uh, but then in week 11, he suffered a pulmonary contusion, and then was out. Out then again he came back, left again, got a back injury, had to go surgery for a herniated disc, and then was done with the done for the year.
1: Like I had a bad year, but the team
0: won the Super Bowl, so it's not that bad.
1: Yeah.
0: Madden eighteen saw Tom Brady of the New England Patriots.
1: Isn't he the one with the deflated football?
0: Yes, that's that's him. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is the curse doesn't strike. He had a great year. The Patriots had a, a really good season all around he had 4500 yards 32 passing touchdowns the patriots had a 13 and 3 record he won mvp but they lost in the super bowl to the eagles
1: womp, womp.
0: so i think again I, I would say the curse strikes there because you get all the way there you have a great year and then it's like oh ah, well, you don't win
1: yeah that that's kind of sucky
0: and then currently on the madden 19 cover is antonio brown but nothing really nothing bad's happened to him yet so who knows if the curse is going to strike or not.
2: Ooh.
0: So there you there's the history of the Madden curse, which is legitimate. Like, a lot of people have had bad things happen to them when they've been on the cover of a Madden game.
1: And I was going to ask you if, like, teams now are like, eh, maybe you should reconsider being on that. But you had the, the one team that was like, nope. You're not being on there.
0: Which that was like the fan base who was just like, no, 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 (laughs) no. I think like fans like when they when they when the cover comes out and they see like, oh, it's from like my team. They're like, yikes. I mean, like 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 we said in recent years, like it's kind of waned back a bit where the the supposed curse doesn't really. It's not every single year. It's not every single year, so like it's not as kind of in the the wider culture of sports nowadays as it used to be, but. You know, it's still talked about and
1: I wonder if it's ever going to have a resurgence because like losing the Super Bowl is pretty bad. I think that's a pretty negative thing generally. Right. Um, I guess. But like I wonder if there's ever going to be a resurgence of the Madden curse. But I mean, It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either. But uh, this is also the most that we're ever going to talk about sports on this podcast. <laughs> ever. I'm
0: glad I could have my moment in the sun.
1: I'm so proud of you. <laughs> but I, I knew about this, and I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy.
0: It's, it's one of those things where, like, you kind of know about it throughout, like, all of video games. Like, it's just one of the things that kind of permeates throughout the entire entirety of it because it was, like, such a big deal.
1: hmm Well, I'm working at a game store. It was that like,
0: also helps, yeah.
1: I was bound to pick it up at some point. Right. I just didn't know it went that far back and that bad. Mm-hmm some of those people had some really terrible things happen to them it's
0: it's it's crazy but like like i said like it's something that it's is also just in sports in general where you know they've other things have happened where you're on the cover of something and bad things happen to you
2: Mm
0: -hmm. just one of those things all right well should we finish off with our last thing The last thing,
1: it has been a solved, a resolved urban legend in the world of gaming, but it's still been one of the biggest urban legends of all of gaming. And interestingly enough, was true. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to bring this up because this was what inspired me to put this on our list in the first place. But then I realized that because I'm a sucker for conspiracy theories and all that, (sighs) I wanted to talk about some more urban legends, um but this one is the uh, the atari landfill of et mm-hmm. and it's true in certain ways and not true in other ways right um but you started hearing like rumors in 1982 1983 that there was uh a landfill
0: in uh new mexico right oh that's what i was thinking so that that sounds right
1: yeah, it, that there was a landfill in New Mexico that um, Atari couldn't sell a bunch of ET cartridges, so that they dumped it in the desert, put concrete over it, and was done with it. And there are articles in like the New York Times about this. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know like how it became such a like, ooh, did this happen? Did it not happen? But um, there were articles that proved that this happened. But
0: were the were the articles basically like? Did they have proof that it happened? Like, oh, we we talked to someone at Atari who said yes, this happened. Here's photographic evidence that it happened.
1: They didn't have photographic evidence, but it was just an article that was saying like this happened, basically. So, like, you could um, you could
0: look at that and think like, well, maybe this is this isn't a thing that actually happened. Maybe
1: it's exaggerated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's possible, um, and so it just. Became like this behemoth of an urban legend with gaming about this landfill. And the ET's in there, and ET was what killed gaming. And uh, I think that's really what got ET that reputation was that whole idea with it being associated with the landfill, because it wasn't just ET, no, um, that that caused the crash or in the landfill. <clears throat> um, so it was this thing for many many years and. I think it was 2014. I can't remember exactly when they did, but um, basically there was a documentary and they're like, we're going to figure out if this landfill's real. We're going to find out. And they did a bunch of like initial testing of the site that people thought that it would be in. And it's crazy. They use like science stuff to like do pings down and see like what all was down there. Because like...
0: It's hard to even think, like, okay, you know, there's no exact, like, place that, or documented place that they dumped everything in, so, like, you have to go to an actual landfill and, like, figure out, okay, where exactly would they have dumped this at, and that is way harder to, to figure out than what most people would think.
1: Yeah, and so they were mainly relying on people who had lived there at the time and who had worked there and that kind of thing, saying, like, you know, maybe check here. And what they were doing is, as they were excavating, they were seeing like, well, what are the dates on the newspapers that had still survived somehow and, like, that kind of thing to see how far Mm -hmm. down they were getting. And um, there were a lot of, like, false starts on it. And eventually they did find the Atari Landfill, and it's a bunch of stuff. Like, it's it's E.T., it's Asteroids, it's a bunch of peripherals. It's tons of stuff.
0: It's like they took, like, a warehouse and just dumped it. It's what they did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they just took a warehouse of stuff that they couldn't sell and just dumped it. Like, Centipedes in there. Like, the whole idea was that it, they buried all the stuff that didn't sell, all the bad games, like E.T. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the case. They buried just... Everything. Yeah, that was always the
0: the the rumors. Is like they just took all the copies of ET that that were were not selling returned and everything, and just dumped them. And that was the only game that they dumped.
1: Mm -hmm. And that is not the case. Like they dumped an entire warehouse of stuff because it was cheaper to just get rid of it than to try and sell it. Mm -hmm. Um. So like it's that's a confirmed urban legend. It is true, and I've actually seen one of the ET carts, which is kind of cool. Um. And the documentary is interesting, but also, like, insufferable in certain ways. So watch at your own risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I kind of wanted to end the spoopy podcast on, like, I was going to say happy note, but it's not really a happy note that Atari, like, <laughs> died. But on one that, like, has been confirmed true, that, like, we mm-hmm. know that this actually exists. And it, it was kind of neat to to be able to see... It, with my own eyes, like, an ET cart that had been buried in the, in the New Mexico desert, like, for 30 years, 20-something years at that point.
0: And then that thing, like, the whole thing where they they were like, okay, we found the spot, we're gonna dig. Like, that was such a big deal.
1: It was a huge deal.
0: Like, people were, were going there like, just, just to watch. hmm Just to watch a landfill get dug up.
1: Yeah, I know somebody who actually went, um, to watch the landfill get dug up just so they could see like what was coming out. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's, it's so cool that like the community came around it like that, but um, you know, it's also odd because gamers are odd.
0: Yeah, that's true. Not, not long <laughs> there.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I hope that maybe it did a little bit to ease ET's reputation. Like, is not a good game, but it's not a bad game either. It's not as bad as people say it was, and it definitely wasn't the cause of the crash. Uh, it was actually extremely innovative. It just didn't work out because of how long he had to make it
0: right, but also that would cause that would rely on people actually like looking into that sort of stuff.
1: Oh, that's true. That's what I do for you know my life.
0: You're not like most people
1: <laughs> i <laughs> fair. I'm I'm a weird one, no. Mr. Grinch. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I wanted to end it with, like, we went through this list of things that were, like, mostly not true, and then we got to Madden, which was true, and then we got with Atari which is true. So, <sighs> I love urban legends and I love conspiracy <laughs> theories. Like, they're legitimately one of my favorite things ever. I will just sit there on Wikipedia pages for ages, just reading about them and. Um when I was a professor, I talked about conspiracy theories constantly just because I think they're <laughs> so funny. And like I really wonder if somebody will ever do like the history of conspiracy theories.
0: They have to of.
1: I, I I'm sure but is it an academic?
0: Nah, that's fair.
1: Yeah. So um I don't know, maybe one day I'll write I'll write a thing about like video game conspiracy theories slash urban <laughs> legends. 'Cause it's like legitimately my jam. I love this stuff. I live for it. And some people die, like not squall. Not squall. Squall is alive, you guys.
0: He's alive and well. He
1: is. So is Luigi. Aeris is sent. She's dead. She's, <laughs> She's super really dead. dead. She's very, very dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was mean. <laughs>
0: Well, that's going to wrap this episode up.
1: Spooky. It's
0: very spooky, clearly. <laughs> the spookiest episode.
1: <laughs> I mean, some of it was spooky. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm telling you, like, Ben Drowned messed me up. For, like, I and I knew that it wasn't real, but it still messes with you. Yeah. Don't look at, like, Giphy for Zelda gifts because, like, 90% of them are Ben Drowned.
0: That makes sense.
1: It's nightmare fuel. <laughs>
0: Uh oh, well if you'd like more from us go to seasonatecheup.com or <laughs> SC that cool where you find past episodes of this podcast and others as well, such as the mainline season checkup and Jared Now and watch. You can also find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you want more from Anladium go to Anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash Anime Checkup, and support us on Patreon, Patreon.com slash uh, S A C O V A. next week could be a multitude of things. It could be. Could be. We
1: have things on the on the burners right now.
0: Literally. Oh god, I gotta turn the burner off.
1: Oh god, it's gonna boil over.
0: <laughs> so like it's
1: it'll not, depend on how my week goes, really.
0: That's true, because you have a very busy week and also just there's a lot of things we could talk about. It's just nailing down exactly what we want to talk about. And there's also another idea we have for something themed for this month, which is If we wanted to do that, we would have to do that next week because it is the last episode. It would be the last episode of October. Of
1: October, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) We'll have to talk about it off air. We will
0: have to talk about that. So yeah, we have a we have a we we actually have for a preview. Like we have a a lot of stuff we could do, but we're just like we just haven't nailed it down yet. Yep. So we don't want to we don't want to give our cards out quite yet. So, uh, so look forward to that next week and. Watch out for don't get don't get tricked by an urban legend
1: Squall isn't dead
0: Squall is dead
1: he's not dead
0: <laughs> Oh sorry he isn't dead he's
1: not dead.